Hello, and welcome to UK Life Abroad. My name is Nathan, and this week I'm joined online by my co-hosts Andri, Olaxa, and Justen from Lockdown Sydney. In the continually developing story of Russian escalation, a British warship was threatened by the Russian Coast Guard as it passed 12 kilometers off the coast of Crimea. This week, we discuss the details of this situation and the possible reasons behind this latest show of aggression. This and more on Zakhradoni Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. So another thing in the news this week, which has been quite distressing, is a skirmish on the seas uh, between the British or Royal Navy and uh, the Russian Navy and their air force as well. Uh, so in the Black Sea, there was a British uh, destroyer called HMS Defender. Uh, it was sailing in where it recognised itself to be, which was international waters, uh, I guess, interpreted by the West near Crimea. However, they did sail within the 12-mile limit of Crimea um, that Russia has proclaimed as its exclusion zone in obviously annexing the territory. And although these sort of things, you know, have happened in the past, you know, to some degree and, and caused a bit of radio chatter and a bit of anger, the response in this particular example is quite extreme. There was... Um, really like several warning shots fired against the British uh, ship. And then also beyond that, uh, they actually bu- um, buzzed out or flew out 20 uh, fighter jets, so Su-24s, um, to actually intercept the uh, British ship and then also um, dropped four air-to-sea missiles in front of the basically uh, direction of the ship to warn it off. Uh, and... Initially, there was a quiet, and I think Alex and I had a chat about this, initially there was quite a quiet response from the British side, not really confirming or denying this story. But in the last few hours, it seems as though it's actually becoming um, more prominent, this story, and and there is a bit of a British response. And, again, Russia's also followed up again, uh, sort of saying that um, if any um, ship was to violate the state borders of the Russian Federation, uh, they will bomb those ships. So actually confirming that next time it won't be a game of warning, but that they're ready to escalate. And, you know, in light of, I guess, um, the earlier escalation this year where their troops are um, amassing on the Russian border to invade, potentially invade Ukraine with some of the other rhetoric that's happened uh, with a recent meeting with Biden, uh, with, with Putin, it, it's quite interesting that this is kind of escalating a little bit beyond what we would normally expect. Um, and kind of does also parallel a little bit to what's happening increasingly in Taiwan, uh, where, chi- where China is you know, increasing a lot more, uh, I guess, exercises, as they like to call them, around uh, the Taiwanese airspace and trying to test defences and things like that. So it's a bit of a worrying situation. We don't have much more information than that at this stage, but I was just curious everyone's thoughts on this in the context of what we've chatted about over the past few months. Well, watching the BBC, because they had a reporter on the Royal Navy ship, um, HM, HMS Destroyer, the ship that's the hot centre of this. Defender. Oh, HMS Defender. Um, in the video, you have the Russian Coast Guard um, radioing the ship saying you've crossed Russia's into Russian territorial waters, like so-called. So I think they got even closer. So 
And like, but also the document, the the BBC one said twelve kilometers off the coast of Crimea. Yeah, so that's internal water. That counts as internal waters under well, international yeah, law. International law. However, obviously, the thing that we just want to remind everyone who, who listens uh, that the issue here is more a dispute around what territory is what. Because I, you know, in the mm. times gone past, pre twenty fourteen and annexation, there'd be no dispute that those particular waters would be considered Ukrainian waters, if not international waters, you know, the border of Ukrainian waters and international waters. So I think there is a there is a problem here that. Um, one, yeah, the West is viewing the annexation still as an illegal act, as it should be, and not necessarily yeah. honouring the um, the exclusion or the territorial water claim that's made by the Russian Federation in Crimea. Yeah, and it was quite good to see the UK Ministry of Defence come out and say that we weren't in Russian territorial waters, we were in international waters and Ukrainian territorial waters. I'm curious if, if anyone remembers, and something we might have to do a bit of research on at some point, but... Obviously, there was always, a, even before the annexation, a Russian military base in Sevastopol, which is on, on lease from the Ukrainian government to Russia. And arguably, that's probably one of the reasons why the annexation took place in the first place. But I'm wondering um, how territorial waters were, were determined in that time, whether there was a corridor that was considered Russian waters for their base or whether it was all just Ukrainian waters and obviously the Russian ships were given free passage. But... From what I remember, all Crimean water was classified as Ukrainian, in, like in Ukrainian waters. And so when Russia used its Black Sea fleet to help its invasion of Georgia, Ukra uh, President Yushchenko got very offended because he said that Russia didn't inform them that their ships were leaving the harbour. Yeah. And so there was no communication as to like where their ships were going. And so he tried to impose stricter controls. And I think that's probably part of the reason when Ukraine, under his administration, tried to tell the Russian Navy to start preparing to leave. And like, because originally the treaty was meant to expire in 2017, but the Western, the pro-Western parties lost in 2010. And so Russia was able to keep its base for longer. Um, the other thing I find interesting was that uh, the fact that they had probably just by pure luck, they had the uh, journalist on the Defender, um, I think really gives a first-hand account of what actually went down on the ship, what the Coast Guard was actually saying. That's all, you know, that's all being filmed, what the response was, uh, how close the planes were even flying to the ship. All of that is now first-hand uh, information as opposed to just getting reports from, you know, each uh, nation's, uh, Defence Department. So I think now everyone can really see exactly how aggressively Russia is trying to push uh, this claim of that water being part of Russia's uh, water um, because, you know, they claim Crimea. So, um, yeah, just I think it's really important this time around since people can actually now, you know, go and actually see what is actually happening firsthand. Yeah, and I think the other concern here is when we look at um, how many planes are actually sent in response. I mean, it's one thing to have warning shots fired from a, a one ship to another ship. That's something that happens, not that it happens regularly, but it is something that's kind of considered, I guess, in maritime, you know, um, code of conduct. That's kind of the thing you do. You, warn, you do a warning shot and things like that. But to bring in 20 aeroplanes, 20 fighter jets, 
to against one, one boat. Yeah, um, no, it's a very formidable boat. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's yeah. worth more <laughs> than um, Royal Navy ships, but it's still it, it's either sending a very public message about the intention, like you're saying, Nathan, around the intention to want to defend the territory and prove that it is Russian territory, assert that dominance by force. But it's also yeah, it makes a question of was there something else that was going on that's beyond what the media is talking about in this particular instance, or potentially we are closer to a conflict, uh, you know, I guess in the, you know, not maybe a worldwide conflict, but at least a regional conflict uh, that could, could be quite serious and escalate things well beyond what we've seen so far. I think mm. it's good that um, it's like, again, the UK is um, testing the waters because as we remember when Russia was um, building up its military along Ukraine's border, President Biden pulled a visit of two US Navy ships to the Black Sea whilst the UK continued on with its planned visit to the region. So I think it's another show of solidarity from like a Western power to Ukraine. And um, that the HMS Defender was in the Black Sea to sign an important naval agreement between the UK and Ukraine. So the UK is now going to build two naval bases for Ukraine and Ukraine's going to purchase, I think, 10 to 12 ships from the UK. So I think they're buying eight missile boats and then two minesweepers from the UK. Yeah. And obviously that has to play into why they made such a statement from the Russian side around this, because obviously that was a way of, you know, also signaling their, their feeling about those agreements, no doubt as well. Um, I think it's just, I think I have to just underscore again, this, the, the reaction is very disproportionate though to what normally would happen in these sort of situations. I mean, you think about, um, during the Cold War and even the last few years, um, there's still every so often, you know, Russian bombers, hitting around near Alaskan airspace, same thing. Is you know, there's, there's still stories of these sort of things happening quite often because, you know, the great powers are always testing each other's defences and running training missions close to borders and things like that. But, I mean, this is the equivalent of that is actually, you know, firing machine gun fire, dropping some, you know, air explosives near those planes. I mean, that doesn't happen. Um, so this is quite a disproportionate, quite an extreme response and, I think we'll have to know, see what else maybe comes out in the news over time. Yeah, but see, this oh, also oh. reminds me of something similar with the uh, with the jerseys. Like, there was such a massive response when Crimea was shown on the jerseys um, that we covered last week. So it seems like the Russian government seems to have this real, um, like, sensitivity whenever it comes to the possibility, or in the case of the, German, the jerseys, it was quite obvious, but if the territorial integrity that they view of owning Crimea is in any way questioned by a ship passing through uh, close to the coastline because the ship believes it's uh, Ukrainian waters, then they're going to go, you know, over the top in trying to reaffirm that Crimea belongs to Russia. And it seems that that seems to be a very sensitive and touchy subject to the government. Yeah, the other thing is, I mean, when you look at a bit more detail about where it was actually going through, um, it's, it is claimed, or I guess the captain of the ship, uh, the British ship was saying that it was internationally recognised, the particular path they were following as a shipping lane. Um, so that was, and yeah, they obviously were trying to assert that that is an international shipping lane that should be free from disruption. Um, but obviously, yeah. Obviously, that wasn't what happened in the end. <laughs> it will be interesting to see how Russia reacts to Ukraine, the annual Ukraine-US 
naval exercises, sea breeze, considering that they're going to be the largest in history with over, how many countries was it again? With over 32 countries participating. I just hope that so, this, this, so I just hope this, this particular signal that's happened in terms of the, the, the disproportionate response, the aggressive response, isn't, you know, the precursor to taking something like sea breeze and, you know, any mistake made on that or anything that looked like a provocation or could be used as an excuse for provocation is used for a provocation to kind of start, you know, a, a more aggressive push against Ukraine. I mean, there's been a lot of sort of situations, unfortunately, that have started in that way, whether it's Poland, the Second World War, being really just an excuse for Germany to to, to go on its next, you know, next territorial um, adventure. And so I just wonder if, you know, the idea here is to really look for a mistake or look for, a, you know, something that could be interpreted as aggression from the West to be able to give excuse to do other things uh, against Ukraine. Do you reckon they'd be more Sounds desperate good. to um, do, it, uh, do something more extreme next time or do you reckon you'd get a... Well, well, that's the warning, right? So the warning that yeah. was given today as, as the most recent kind of news that's come out was a warning from the Russian Defence Ministry saying that next time we'll bomb the, the, the boat if they if they uh, ignore our territorial waters. So, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, like I said, dropping warning bombs, four warning bombs <laughs> in the path ahead yeah. of a ship and a British Navy ship, a Western ship in... Yeah, like that. That's that's much like as much as there's been you know significant agitation and aggression against the Ukrainian Navy. That's that's a different class entirely when it comes to I think the global political stage. So yeah, who knows what will happen next? Unfortunately, well, it sort of like reminds me of the whole Kerch incident where the Ukrainian Navy was passing through um, the Kerch Strait, and then the Russian Navy just comes in. Um, attacking them, really. So, uh, obviously, look, there's a big difference between Ukraine and the UK, but if Ukraine had done exactly what the uh, UK had done, it probably could have gone much worse compared to the Kerch Strait incident. Agreed, Andre. And, and I guess the other thing is we've obviously seen Russia assert, um, you know, sort of, I guess, or bully... Ukrainian naval ships, especially further up into the sea of Azov. But, yeah, to actually start doing this this kind of activity against um, a Western power is obviously sending a different message and perhaps signalling a different, you know, different stage in, these, in this conflict. This week in the news. Ukraine's Defence Minister and the UK's Minister for Defence Procurement have signed a Memorandum of Implementation for the Joint Design and Construction of Warships and Two Naval Bases in Ukraine. The deal was signed on the Royal Navy destroyer HMS Defender in Odessa. Ukraine has, for the first time in history, progressed out of the group stage in UEFA's European Football Championships. They now face Sweden for a chance to progress to the final eight. President Zelensky has met with Georgian President Salome Zarubichvili, who is on a state visit to Ukraine. This is the first such visit in over 15 years. During the meeting, they discussed ways to improve bilateral relations, support for each other's sovereignty and territorial integrity, integration with both the EU and NATO, as well as bilateral and regional cooperation. 
Relations between Ukraine and Georgia have deteriorated somewhat due to Ukraine granting former Georgian President Mikhail Saakashvili citizenship and appointing him to various government positions. Ukraine and Turkey are now in the final stages of negotiating a free trade deal between the two nations. All that remains are the most sensitive areas of trade. According to Ukraine's Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba, both nations will need to compromise to finalize the deal. Ukraine and Turkey have set a goal of doubling the trade between both countries from 5 to 10 billion US dollars a year. To all of our listeners in Sydney, we would like you to stay safe and please take the appropriate safety measures when heading out into public spaces. Let us know which stories you would like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more Yuki Life Abroad content.